This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Texas. Beyonce, cowboy boots, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Do you think Chip Gaines can dunk? Yes. At least grab rim, for sure. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where our exes do not live in Texas. Only one or two. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy. I'm a recovering basketball writer. I'm Jordan Liggins. I'm an editor at Mojo. Before we get started, quick shout out to Katie Heindel, who did our last episode, an amazing reported piece on the other sides of trades. We've gotten great reception. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check it out if you haven't listened yet. Yes, thank you so much. I still can't believe when you see positive things on the internet and we're like, oh my God, this was just in our (laughs) texts like three months ago. So thank you, everybody. Jordan, why don't you tell people what we're going to do today? I am so excited to talk about what we're doing today because when Haley and I were thinking about topics for this episode, we realized that the through line is Texas. Welcome to our all Texas episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing accents. Uh, No, no, I did not sign up for that. That's not my contract. First, I want to talk about the women's tournament that took place in San Antonio. Uh, It caused me so much stress. I I cried three separate times during these games, the final four and the championship game. We know Stanford won, but man, I was rooting for Arizona. It was such a close game. Ari McDonald, wherever she gets drafted next week, I will be a fan of that team because same, just a great all around player. And then their coach, Adina Barnes, watching those games, I have never wanted to play for a coach more than watching her. I was like, give me a jersey. I will do anything that you want. What what presses are we running? What what are we doing? I want to play for her. And then just a little side note that she's pumping during halftime because she's also a breastfeeding mom, which is just remarkable. Yeah, that absolutely is. Well, name the three times you cried, please, because I want to see if they line up with the times I cried. Okay, yes, for sure. Um, So I cried when South Carolina, um, Aaliyah Boston missed that shot, which it was just a point blank layup. And she just burst into tears. ESPN kept the camera on her for way too long. And I was just heartbroken for her. Cry number two was the Arizona game when she missed that shot. Four people. She almost made it. She She almost almost made made it. it. We almost had two insane last minute shots two nights in a row for the tourney. And then again, her crying Me just rooting for them, that was so sad. And then it was on the men's side. When UCLA almost won against Gonzaga, I felt for that team, and I started crying again. Just really, really emotional weekend for me. (laughs) Yeah, mine was at the end of the national championship for Ari as well. 
because that mm-hmm. was hard. There's no way even people from who were Stanford fans weren't didn't recognize that it was fun to cheer for her. And then right. when Stanford beat Louisville, because obviously, like, I love you, Dana Evans. I'll love you forever. And yeah, same to her. Oh, I'll follow her into the dark or whatever WNBA team she goes to. <laughs> but yeah, that was I had a lot of fun with those. Yeah, they were really good. And for the men's side, the Texas tie-in is that I have Baylor winning it all in my family bracket. If Baylor wins, I win. So hello, I'm Jordan Liggins, Baylor's number one fan. Let's go Bears. Okay, what do you right win? Um, it's money, and it just comes from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just our, it's just our family pool. If he wins, he gets to keep his money. If he doesn't, he gives it to one of his kids. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's High what stakes. we do when you're kids. High yeah. stakes. <laughs> what is the Texas tie-in for NBA talk? Yes. First, we have to talk about the Mavs, Rockets, then the Spurs, and we have our friend Shea Serrano. To, to talk about the Spurs because, of course. Yes, Shay is joining us later in the show. It was very fun. He always brings something that we're never expecting. And literally, anytime you work with Shay, you're just expecting to have a wonderful conversation with a wonderful person who's very funny. And then he brings out like 10 other things you weren't expecting. So I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, the Mavs. Do you mind if I just... Have the mic for a minute. Okay. Please, please. (laughs) I confuse, I guess, is the word. Mm. They're on a four game win streak. We're taping this on a Monday morning. Four game win streak. They're seventh in the standings. Their defense looks much better. Their rebounding suddenly matters to them. They've become self aware that stopping the other team from scoring threes is a good thing. I'm not like sold on that improvement being nearly enough, but it's nice that they've recognized when the ball goes in past that white line that's kind of far out that it actually counts for points so that's really good the other thing is that Porzingis is playing well and I feel like this entire sentence is going to be in this tone because I'm surprised but I also don't think it's sustainable it's weird to see him be a rim protector after being literally one of the worst defenders in the league this season and in February I just did it again I can't stop speaking in question marks whenever his name comes up in February, Dallas's defense was atrocious. In March, much improved. And mm-hmm. you know what's funny? I read our former coworker, the great Rob Mahoney. He had a piece on The Ringer about they pass around like a championship belt, one of those WWE ones for defense. So after every oh. game, if you're the best defender, the most important one, they give you the belt. That is such an aggro thing. Men are hilarious. Like you want to motivate me? Go get me <laughs> a Gucci belt. Anyway, I'm confused. The Mavs, since they've gotten Luka, it's hard to place them because Mm -hmm. when you have a player who singularly elevates you so much, that disparity between him and the rest of the roster really shines a flashlight on a team's flaws. So it's always been much easier for me to say this is what's holding them back than this is what they could be. But I think that's flipping for me. So what do you think of them? Yeah, I I love that you brought up their defense improving because – their defensive rating pre-All-Star Week, they were 24th in the league. And now they're 8th, which is a huge jump. And they're right below Phoenix, who, you know, if the season ended today, they would play Phoenix right now. So the best news for the Mavs is that there are more games to play. Like, they have, they still have time to improve and keep this alive. And then you also mentioned they have a four-game winning streak. This is their fourth time this season 
that they have a four-game winning streak. So are they streaky or are they the real deal? I think that's that's the question mark with them as well. I think you can put a lot of that on health too because Mm -hmm. uh, Luca's had timeout, Porzingis has timeout obviously, and it doesn't just end there, but those are obviously the most two important factors in terms of health. You know what's weird though? You say streaky. A weird thing about them that I saw a couple of weeks ago in an article, and I've seen Rick Carlisle talk about this, I don't even think just this season, but maybe I'm mistaken because I don't remember. It's such a bit now that people are like, I don't remember if this happened a month ago or a year ago, but it's not a bit. I hope our great (laughs) grandchildren understand we have no concept. So I genuinely don't know when he started saying this, and Mavs Twitter does too. They do really well when they're off to a good start. You know that overtime Mm. rule where it's like, oh, whoever scores first, you usually think is going to win. And I don't know if that's like an old wives tale or if that's, is there anything to back that up? I don't know. But anyway, that's what the Mavs say about the entire game. And I read this stat in a couple of, in a piece a couple of weeks ago, and then I've been tallying it on my own ever since. The Mavs are 19 and two when they lead after a quarter and eight and 19 when they are tied or behind. Jeez. Yeah. I know. So they really like need a good start. So yes, the streakiness, like that's just kind of bizarre. I think a lot of it is probably mental when you see like teams who go through those kinds of streaks. That's usually what it's tied to. It also health, which I don't think we can ignore for them. It's a compliment, yeah. I think. And I something that uh, Mavs fans should take, should be happy about to say that we are intrigued by them. Not like yeah, we personally, they, like we don't hold that much weight. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to get you into the playoffs, but you were intriguing is what I'm saying. <laughs> so Yeah. And we were so ready. Like when we thought we were going to talk about the Mavs, we were ready to rag on their defense. We've been talking we about talking that, about them for a while. Yes. So we were ready and then they proved us wrong. So Mavs continue to prove us wrong and you might have a chance at going far in the playoffs. So that's that's your task. Uh, next Texas team. I want to do like a ding here, but a Texas ding. So I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, the Rockets. Mm. Mm. I, w- I kind of want to have a moment of silence, but <laughs> the Rockets are, it's tough for them right now. Uh, we talked about that the last episode. We're worried for our Rockets fans. Most interesting thing about this to me is the stark contrast from the start of the season. Like, we were excited. John Wall was healthy. They had DeMarcus Cousins. They had Harden. Like, that was the conversation. Now it is complete opposite, and everyone is, like, sending their condolences to Houston. Um, They've lost 26 out of their last 28 games. That's just a hard sentence to say. But the roster is the most random-ass roster (laughs) I have ever seen. I call it like the land of misfits. Like, who are these people? How did they get here? DJ Augustine is their point guard. I haven't seen him in forever. Avery Bradley, former Laker, getting his time to shine. But I also want to flip this conversation. I think it's kind of easy to say, okay, the Rockets are bad. But flipping it, saying that this is now a team for opportunity because Kelly Olenek is showing out. He's coming in. He's like their best piece from that trade deadline. He's playing well. You know how I feel about Christian Wood. I think he is a phenomenal player and really just getting his opportunity to show what he can do. 
On Saturday, they just signed Armani Brooks, which is also just a great callback to Katie Heindel's piece about trades as he found out on a layover in the G League that he was getting called up and he burst into tears, which I just love that story. But everyone is in this new system. That's also what Katie was talking about. I feel like they have no playbook. They're like, you know, we're just bringing random people in. We're just going to run pick and roll, run some motion. Like we're not doing any playbook because nobody knows what they're doing. It's just interesting that this group of guys, the expectation is next to none. So they should just look at it as how can I showcase for my next team? Houston is this pit stop now. How can I showcase for the next team that gets me that I'm ready and I'm I'm here, I'm arrived, what can I do? I think that's what this this team is now. <laughs> It just being a home for people who are misplaced reminds me of the Knicks two years ago, and then it carried over a little bit to last year when just every point guard who you kind of at one point thought might be good or helpful ended up there. Dennis Smith Jr., um, Emmanuel Moutier, Alfred Payton. It's definitely like a home for, hey, did things not work out for you somewhere else? Okay, well, (laughs) here we are. I do think that it's important for, yes, so for those players, maybe you're thinking this is a pit stop, I'm going to show what I'm able to do. If you're a Rockets fan, you're saying, what do we actually have? Well, you're wanting to lose right now because you have a potential to have a, to keep your pick, which I'll get into in a minute, because for teams who have no hope, for teams who are tanking by default, you know, this is, that is like what the NBA lottery has turned into. That's for its tanking culture. I understand that. Inventory of what they have now. Kelly Larry Bird Olenek is a free agent this summer. So he's been great for them. I don't want to discount like what we always say. Just because someone's leaving doesn't mean in the meantime that they can't instill good things to other players. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood is back from his ankle injury. Um, his three-point shooting is not, but I'm hopeful that it will return. Deshaun Tate, I was talking to our friend Sean Yu about him the other day. He was a Rockets fan. He can pass, versatile defender. He does those like cute twirl moves to the basket that trick everyone. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., good passer, good ball handler. Mm -hmm. There are some things to look forward to. I'm going to talk about the pick thing real quick because I – it's – it, it's very it's actually very complicated in 2019 when they traded with OKC for Russell Westbrook the Rockets gave up a top four protected pick swap the potential to swap it for the 2021 draft the lingo behind all of those uh, you know it's a headache like <laughs> top four protected pick swap there I swear they're just words that are in, put in here to confuse us it does not have to be that hard so I think we take for granted that people know what all that shit means I'm just gonna really mm-hmm. quick go through it so Houston gives OKC a top four protected pick swap a pick swap really only works out for the team who received it if they're better than the other team Like if you are good, Mm -hmm. a playoff team, and you swap it with, say, a lottery team, that's great because then you get a much better pick. So when the Rockets did this, they were like, okay, we're for sure going to be better than OKC. They were still trying to win a championship. OKC, in giving up Russell Westbrook, said, okay, we're breaking up our team. We're starting over. And then they just happened to be really fucking good the next year, and nobody expected it. So the Rockets were not anticipating that this would even really matter. But now that Houston is worse than the Thunder... I mean, the Thunder are only one spot ahead of the Rockets right now in the standings, but they're also five games out from the playoffs. That's just the West. 
there's a huge yeah. drop off and it is where the thunder are and then at, off of that is the rockets. So this is where the top four protected part comes in. If they end up getting a top four pick, the rockets, they can keep it. That's protected. So mm, they have to okay. be so bad <laughs> that they can keep it. So that is kind of why Rockets fans are like, fine, we'll keep losing, I guess. But because of the reformed lottery odds system, the Rockets only have a 52% chance of keeping that pick. And that will not go up. This is the greatest percentage they're going to have, a coin flip. Anyway, that's the situation. Don't put all your hope into it is what I'm saying. 52%. So that's the Rockets. Good luck. Wah, wah. <laughs> Should we move on to the Spurs? Yes, yes. Let's talk Spurs. I feel like you had you had some thoughts. You had some thoughts on San Antonio. Well, they're in a bizarre situation. Mm-hmm. Their starting lineup are all in their early 20s, except for DeMar DeRozan, who's not only 31, but he's had his prime shifted because the style of play was quickly aged out of the league. Like how often yeah. that's that's when people bring up DeMar DeRozan now, that's what they bring up is that he has an old game. You know what that's I mean? That's exactly it. That is exactly it. And it's it's not with excitement when people bring up DeMar DeRozan. I feel like it's always with that question mark of like, uh, what could have been or he could be a star. He was a star. And it's not really moving the needle for me right now. What the conversation is absolutely when you're talking about him and what's coming in his future, it, the Spurs factor into it. If they say he'll go back on a discount, that'd be great. But it's not really mm-hmm. that he's the one who's moving the, the Spurs forward. Right now, it's yeah. a young team led by this antique star, and they're operating in an old infrastructure. So there are so many questions about the future. But I think that's passing up on like, what do you think about them right now? It's the second mm-hmm. half of the season. They're technically in playoff standing. What do you think about them? Technically in playoff standing is is where I'm at. They're like meh. They're, they're not the the Spurs. Well, if you think about the Spurs just historically, I it was always a joke in our family that you never watch a Spurs game all year and then all of a sudden they're in the playoffs and they're about to win the championship. And you just you're they're kind of like that that student that you just don't have to worry about. They're going to get good grades. They're going to have good defense. They're they're going to be fine. Um, but now it's like they're just average. They're okay. That's kind of, that's how I feel about them. And if they make it to a play-in tournament, I I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. It could go either way. Um, you mentioned them being a young team. I really like Keldon Johnson for them. And he is, you know, he had the first 20 points, 20 rebound games since Tim Duncan. And I think it's it, it's that player who really shapes their season because he started out hot. They were this young, fiery team. Everyone's talking about them. And then people kind of figured him out. And now he's averaging, you know, five points a game, eight points a game. And they have to kind of make that switch back if they're going to have any type of deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny because we can identify those players singularly, whereas before mm-hmm. you identify the Spurs because they had such a strong team identity, and that's not true anymore. They don't really have a team identity, but they do have this shadow of one, which is is tough, and that's – I bring it up all the time. It always goes back to, to what happened with Kawhi. Pop's first championship team in 1999, Tim Duncan was 21. Steve Kerr was on that team. 
The second one in 2003, that's when Tony Parker and Manu were with the Spurs. So this is a very mm. long-standing thing. They built that over a long time. Pop is exceptional at identifying guys and making them the anchors of a franchise. And that was what yes. Kawhi was supposed to be. I'm not blaming Kawhi for it not being a good fit for him, but it does really interrupt what you've built and the thing that has worked for you, which is you identify a guy, you build around him, develop him, and now we don't know... Is there that guy on this team? Is Pop going to be the one to see it through? We're not sure. Well, that's actually a great segue because after the break, we talked to Shay, our favorite Spurs fan, about this exact thing. This episode of Spinsters is brought to you by Sonos. The Sonos Move is their premium portable smart speaker for listening all around your home and outdoors. I just got a Sonos Move. I love it so much. I don't know how I lived without it. Neither does my roommate. We take it all the time from my room up to the roof when we want to relax. We take it outside when we're doing gardening. You can take it all around the house. The battery life is wonderful and the sound is super clear. I also don't love clunky technology, but this looks great. I put it right next to my candles and plants and it looks sleek and wonderful. Discover speakers for all around your home and beyond at Sonos.com, including Move and the all-new Roam. This latest portable addition to the Sonos system is smart, lightweight, waterproof, and ready for any adventure. So start yours now at Sonos.com. Wow, it's finally summer, but also like, wow, how is it already summer? Either way, I'm welcoming this season with all things bedding, bath, loungewear from Brooklinen. And with their Memorial Day sale happening right now, Brooklinen's offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for this summer and beyond, working directly with manufacturers to ensure premium comfort at a fraction of the retail price. They deliver award-winning comfort direct to your door. Stock up on all things summer comfort and shop the Memorial Day sale now. And if you're listening to this podcast after the air date, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use the code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. Brooklinen. Everything you need to live your most comfortable life. I'm Shay Serrano. I write about things for a living at TheRinger.com and also books and whatnot. When Jordan and I were talking about what are the things that we could ask that are more long-term spurs or have been long-term spurs, the thing I was thinking about is the spurs are so unique because of what they rest their hope in. Other franchises have this fixed element that they're like, well, if all else fails... There's this, or I should say successful or semi-successful franchises. Because like mm-hmm. for the Suns for the last couple of years, for the Wolves, it's like, ah, uh, what are you talking about? You have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for the Lakers, it's prestige. They're like, yeah, we had terrible years, but we're the Lakers. Like we're one of the best franchises in history. I'm only saying one of the best because I'm trying to be fair, Jordan. And then for the Spurs, <laughs> it's unique because it's a person. For you guys, the fixed element that was like, don't worry about it. Popovich will always come through for us. Yeah, that is correct. So what do you think that's been like? And then also, how does it feel knowing that he might possibly or he just has to eventually retire? It has always felt cool to have Popovich there like that. Like if you're in San Antonio, you root for the Spurs. And for so long, we had Tim Duncan, who was one of the best basketball players of all time. Somebody who like you could point to this guy and say, 
we have a chance at winning the championship because we have this guy right here. And that's like a very powerful feeling to be able to put in someone's chest. Right. So you have that. And Pop is the coaching version of that. Like you just always feel like we don't think we're going to win the championship, obviously, this year or or last year or two years ago or whatever. But you do feel like we'll probably make it to the playoffs. We're going to do some good stuff. It's going to be a fun team to root for. It's just it's good to have a sort of lighthouse to look to, you know, for the Spurs. It's kind of a season long thing. Where it's like, uh, don't worry about it. Like they'll work it out. I I can't tell you how many pieces I wrote that were like, oh, but we should always trust in Popovich, and yeah. that <laughs> is a legitimate thing. But yeah. that's changed recently. So, I mean, sorry to bring this up, but does that hurt? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt that much. Here's what happens. Again, for 21 years, 20 years, 19 years, we were looking at the team like, oh, we got a chance. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We we can do like some real damage. And after you're like 15 of that, it does start to sit on your shoulders a bit. That's, that, that becomes a real pressure where it's like you either win the championship or the season did not work out how you wanted it to. Like that's a hard thing to try to chase down every year. So once Timmy left and then Manu and, and Tony, those were not the, the expectations anymore. So it's these last like two or three years have felt kind of freeing a little bit because you don't have that big burden anymore you know you're like you're not the the kid that the parents are hoping oh this kid's gonna get straight a's and get into college and do like you're not that kid anymore (laughs) now you're the kid Mm -hmm. who like oh he didn't get sent to jail on friday night so it's like pretty good night you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah. that's how that's how it feels watching the spurs right now we're not like if we don't win the championship it's gonna suck that's not what what we're looking for we're just looking for a couple of moments each season that let us know we're headed in the right direction you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, Derek White is a really good example of this. He, We were in the playoffs a couple of years ago against uh, Denver, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a huge game, a big, like a big, big time game. And yeah. it was like, oh, he made the leap right now. He's not afraid of this moment anymore. And to, and so then we lost to the, to the Nuggets that series, but it felt like we made a big step this season because now we have a guy who, when that water gets real deep, he's not going to panic. And then we saw the same thing happen with, uh, DeJounte Murray before that when they played the Rockets when they beat the Rockets that year in game six but early in the in the series um, excuse me not early in the series but Tony Parker ended up not being able to play DeJounte had to step in and mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly was just a bully for like the first half of the game when when DeJounte started and you were going to watch and see like what how's he going to respond to this and DeJounte didn't back down he like came back he got punched in the head and he was like Okay, do it again. And he just kept coming. And now he's better and better. Now we all trust him. Like, those are the things we're looking for each season. So it doesn't feel demoralizing to, like, start a season and know you're not going to win a championship. But that's because we've been through this process before. We know it doesn't work like that. We know it's going to take a few years to build these guys up. And then we'll start competing for the championship. So I feel pretty good. I I really like this young team right now. We have Mm -hmm. Keldon Johnson has been fantastic to watch, like, it's really cool to watch the young Spurs again. It's been so long since we've got to watch the young Spurs. For two decades, we were not watching the young Spurs. We were watching <laughs> the established Spurs. If we make the playoffs, great. If we can win three games in playoffs, great. If we make the second round, you know, little flags like that. That's how it works. For me, anyway. I always think of if Popovich was going to retire, it was going to be for Becky Hammond. He wanted to be a part of like this legacy 
to be like, you know what? I'm going to pass the baton to the first female head coach in the NBA. How do you how do you see that happening? Do you think he would do that? Does he have that in his heart? I absolutely think he has it in his heart, but I also think he has it in his heart that there's not very much of him that's saying like, I want to be the guy to do this first because Becky is a woman. I think he's more like, she's a great coach. Like that's yes. always been what's come out of the camp. Becky is a mm -hmm. great coach. There's a reason she's on the bench and it's not because she's a woman. She's on the bench because of what she did in the WNBA and because of how smart she is and because of how the players respond to Becky. Like that, like mm -hmm. I would guess that he would argue it something like that, but it would be cool. She was like the first paid woman on an NBA bench, right? Like I remember being yeah. a, a whole big thing about it. I also remember when it happened in San Antonio, it was not like a big thing. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Pop touched her on the forehead. She must be great. Bring her in. Let's get started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just dawned on me. I've been saying for so long, well, Kawhi broke that cycle of the Spurs bringing guys up, even random guys You're who going nobody in the right heard direction. of and nobody gave a chance. <laughs> You're going in the right direction. Yeah, like I actually, that cycle is really not broken if what comes out of it is Becky Hammond is a head coach either at the Spurs or somewhere else. Because, I mean, if, if it's to continue the cycle at the Spurs in San Antonio, it would have to be Becky Hammond there. But that very much is continuing something of bringing in somebody who – like Kawhi, people weren't really expecting them to be this great thing. And then this is the next great thing for the Spurs franchise. So that's a, that's actually, that is something to be really optimistic about. And yeah, he has, honestly, some of his phrasing has been pretty messy in the past with Becky. And I appreciate the fact of him stating it's not because she's a woman, because that is coming from the right place. But I do think some of it has been a little bit messy in the past, but I, <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate him really lifting up somebody who does have a lot of potential. That being said, we're talking about the end without him saying anything about the end. Do yeah. you think the end is near? Yeah, I definitely think it's on the way. I thought last year was going to be his last year. Honestly, I thought after 2020, he was going to shut it down. But yeah, it's coming. It's it's a year away maybe two at most but it's here it's here We're, we've all been expecting it we've all been ready for it but i just anticipate it's going to come out the same way that tim duncan retired when it was like the season started and he didn't show up for training camp and everyone was like what the fuck oh he, he's not coming back i think it's going to be like that with pop there there's going to be like a little thing that's going to come oh by the way the greatest basketball coach of all time isn't coaching anymore it just no fanfare, no anything. He's just going to walk into the tunnel one day and not walk back out. I think that's how it has to happen. So what do you think that Popovich would say to teams or players throughout his career if he just sends them secret notes, <laughs> goodbye notes? He's, write, he's, he's writing goodbye letters? Yeah, he's writing Pop goodbye writing letters. Good, okay. <laughs> what, is, what does he say to those people? I think if Pop is writing goodbye letters... He has like a list of people he's going to send them to. Maybe like 10 people or something. Mm -hmm. 10 people, maybe a couple of teams. I don't know. Let's do some obvious ones. Can you play some like letter reading or writing music? A fireplace <laughs> in the background, perhaps? Something soft. Fireside chats. The, cl the clinking <laughs> of, a, of, of ice cubes in a, in a tumbler. Just give me like some paper crinkling and something soft. Some, some jazz. Play me some good Croatian jazz, if that's, a, if that's a thing. I don't know. That seems like what Greg Popovich would listen to. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a letter to Phil Jackson, first Ooh. of all, who 
who a lot of people say is a better coach than Greg Popovich, which is entirely incorrect. I don't want it to sound like Phil Jackson is not a good coach. Obviously, he's a great. He's probably the second best coach of all time. But if we're talking about who's the greatest, they have two very different philosophies here. The thing you always hear about Phil Jackson is like uh, the Zen master. He like plays with your mind and blah, like whatever. He's manipulating people into doing what he wants them to do. Greg Popovich, you always hear the opposite. He sat me down and he told me exactly what I needed to do. And I could either do it or I could get the fuck out. And that's the kind of leadership that I like. Honesty. So, Communication. Honesty. Just what talk more can to you me. ask for? What, why do you need to trick me into doing a thing? Just tell me. <laughs> Just, I'm not a child. Just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do the thing or I won't do the thing. Whatever. Greg Popovich, goodbye letter to Phil Jackson, who he publicly, this is the close he ever got to like feuding with anybody during his tenure in San Antonio's Phil Jackson. <clears throat> Dear Phil Jackson, fuck you. Love pop. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's all the letter that he's sending. Look, I don't, I, don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about how he feels about Phil Jackson. I've never heard him say an actual like I don't like this guy. But all of the stuff that I've heard in the like whispering is that he does not like him, and I think that's awesome. This is like one of my favorite. I think the Spurs Lakers rivalry in the early two thousands one of my favorite times in basketball. That Lakers team was absolutely terrifying. I wrote a whole thing about this in the in the basketball book that I did. Kobe Bryant was the player who put the most amount of fear in me when we would play them. Mm-hmm. But still, dear Phil Jackson, <laughs> fuck you. Love pop. There's there's letter number one. We're off to a great start, I feel like. All right, let's um, who we'll else? do another who else? one. Um, let me think. Mike D'Antoni. Oh, Perpet- that's a good one. Perpetual foil to Greg Popovich. Pop ran him off the court in Phoenix. Pop ran him off the court in Houston. Anytime they get together in the playoffs, you have to aim the little alligator mouth toward Greg Popovich. He just beats him every single when time. When he sends this one, he needs to put a little money in it, like a gift card in it, just for all the yeah, troubles. Yeah, yeah. A, t- a $10 gift card to Chili's, something <laughs> like that. That's what he, that's, that's what he, that should be the whole letter right there, Hallie. You just did it. It's not any words or anything. It's just a smiley face. Dear Mike D'Antoni. And then a smiley face and a $10 gift card to Chili's. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mike Dan. Mike D'Antoni seems like an awesome dude. He seems so great. And he's had so much shit happen to him as a coach. <laughs> right? right? Just through everything like right? externally, like you're saying, from Greg Popovich, <laughs> which granted, most people are haunted by Greg Popovich, but also internally, mm-hmm. everywhere. I would really love for Mike D'Antoni to be happy. I would too. He seems awesome. So but he also seems that's the perfect yeah. letter. And a gift card. Face. And a gift and card. A gift lunch. card. Have it yeah. get you get you that brownie Sunday thing that chili does. That chili it's incredible. It's very delicious. Mike D'Antoni seems like the the friend in the group who when y'all are out and a fight is about to happen and he's the one guy who's like, This fight is never gonna happen. And then it happens and he's unprepared for it, even though everybody knew we're about to like that's Mike D'Antoni. Just good positive energy. All the time. So shout out Mike D'Antoni. That's the letter. We'll do a letter to uh, Larry Brown. Close, close friends with Greg Popovich. Just mutual respect at all times. They played in the finals against each other. I think one of my favorite Greg Popovich memories is they're playing in the 2005 NBA Finals, Spurs versus Pistons. It's this great seven-game series. Spurs go up to the Pistons have absolutely no quit in them. They fight back. They win the next two games. They play in Detroit game five. This is when it was still 2-3-2 for the format. The Spurs are, are playing not that great. It's close the whole way. Robert Ory goes nuts in the last like 
quarter and overtime or something like that wins the game for them. Pistons come to San Antonio. They win game six in San Antonio. It was the first time ever that a road team had come back and won a game six in the NBA Finals. It was great. It was like they were just fighting each other. But in game seven, at the start of the fourth quarter, the game was tied. So we're three to three, three quarters in. We're going to find out who the champion is here. It's perfect. And they show a quick split screen shot on the TV. This is on the, the Spurs Extras DVD for the championship that year you can watch it if you want to go look at it but they show a split screen of greg popovich and larry brown uh, and uh, on the screen together just, just two all-time great coaches larry brown the only guy ever to have won at the college level and nba level we're talking about a championship here but they show them there and greg popovich is just still water nothing happening ever on his face no anything he's just sitting there like it's the second quarter of a game in february against the hornets and then on the other side larry brown is visibly shaking like you could see his hands shaking and i was like this is awesome this is like a perfect pairing i love these two guys i love them together i love when they would play because they're just two smart dudes trying to outsmart the other one dear larry brown you're the best love pop every letter is going to be at max Three words. I just, <laughs> I, I should have prefaced that. Anything else would, would not be popular. But anything else, they'd be like, did your secretary write this? Yeah. You didn't write this. <laughs> yeah. Three Somebody words. wrote this. This is kind of pushing it, but. Because he's going to write it with the, with like a quill and ink. And that's a like an arduous process to write more than three words on like some parchment paper and then roll it up into a tube and put the little wax stamp on it. There you go. There's three letters from Pop. There's three goodbye letters from that, Pop. That's beautiful. I we're, love that. I love that they sure all say love. love. Love pop. Love pop. I love pop. Yeah, you know, actually, I don't know if I believe that he would say love pop. But, Shay, you have far more intimate relationship with Greg He would Popovich. 100% say love pop in a, in a letter like that. He would never share it. He would never, like, take a picture yeah. of the letter and post it on Instagram. He would mm-hmm. not, like, Macklemore the situation. I remember I went to the Spurs practice facility one time, and they had, like, a sledgehammer in there for the whole pounding the rock thing. Um, oh, Wow. Are you familiar with the pounding? The I'm rock not. Thing? I'm. Is that a Spurs tradition? It's a Spurs thing. It's a quote from this guy. I think his name is Jacob Reese. The Stonecutters Credo is what it was, and it was basically it was like you hit a rock 99 times and nothing happens, and then you hit it on the hundredth time and it cracks in half, and you know that it wasn't the hundredth hit that did it. It was the 99 before it. Basically, do the work and then a good thing will happen. And mm-hmm. this is gonna make me look. Terrible, but I'm going to tell you this story because it's really bad. When uh, the twins were born, this was 13 years ago now, 14 years ago almost. The twins were born. We were in the hospital. Larry was in the hospital. Um, she had to have a C-section. We did that whole thing. They came out. Anyway, she wanted to breastfeed. It was very important for Laramie to breastfeed the twins, so that's what she was trying to do, and it just wouldn't work. Like She would try. It wouldn't work. Try. It wouldn't work. She was having all these troubles. A lactation consultant came in. We having all these meetings. It was, it was like a whole thing. And I thought it would be awesome to write the pounding the rock quote on the little whiteboard in the hospital <laughs> room, like, like what they would do at the Spurs practice facility. So I wrote it out I on there and she saw it and she was like, what, what is this? And I explained it to her and how it was like related to the Spurs. And she was like, this is not what I needed right now. This is like the opposite <laughs> of what I needed. I thought it was applicable in all situations. It turns out it's not. Mainly it's good for basketball, not breastfeeding. Um, yeah, sledgehammers aren't the, the, the thing you kind of want to picture in that situation. However, your intent was beautiful. 
same, yes. sa- same as what you were saying earlier with with pop and the and the choppiness of the language. Like you're in a good spot. It doesn't, it doesn't come out of your mouth how it sounded in your head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It didn't work out that great, but. Ultimately, it did. The breastfeeding, it, it, it was a success later on. And there's no credit given to the Stonecutter's Credo, but like maybe, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. You just <laughs> already not, put that in the not. twins' minds. <laughs> so they're just already yeah. Spurs fans while they're breastfeeding. Yeah, Greg Popovich, if you're listening to this, thank you for <laughs> being a lactation consultant without knowing it. Yes. <laughs> well, that's our show. Please leave your own letters from Popovich and other fan confessions on our voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show. Spinsters is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Jamila Zora-Williams, Isabel Jocelyn, and Alex Ford. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Howdy, spinsters. It's Zeke calling from horseback out here on a lonely, dusty Texas trail. I was thinking, between the Houston Rockets and the Dallas Mavericks, which as we all know is an unbranded wild horse, the Texas teams span the whole continuum of human travel. We've seen horseback to spaceflight in less than a century, which kind of reminds me of Adam Morrison and Luka Doncic. Anyways, You ponder on that a spell, and I'll see you down the trail.